Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly, here to tell you that we have a brand new podcast called Halloween Unmasked, premiering Monday, October 1st. Here's a sneak peek. There's trouble in the suburbs. A teenage girl named Lori Strode crosses a quiet street toward an ordinary house to find her friends. But Lori doesn't know that her friends are dead, and she doesn't know that she's walking right toward the masked killer, Michael Myers. The movie is Halloween. And Halloween just, it was like a, it was a breath of fresh, putrid air. He's a pure, unknowable evil. I'm film critic Amy Nicholson, and this is Halloween Unmasked, a podcast series from The Ringer celebrating the remarkable and terrifying rise of America's most revolutionary horror film. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to Halloween Unmasked and watch your back. I, I think the scariest part was that he doesn't die at the end. So when you're 10, it's like, that guy's still out there. <laughs> we, we gotta get him. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Winger Podcast Network. It is Tuesday. It is October 2nd. Week 4 is in the books, and I'm joined by Mr. Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how are you doing? I- I'm good, Tate Frazier. You know, the beginning of October and of September is always one of the greatest times in my life. I mean, my son Matthew turns 28 on the 30th. Nice. And then Nick turns 30. Wow. On the 1st. Wow. So, you know, it's the greatest thing ever. Birthday yeah. season. Well, it's time. birthday season, but for me, you know, it was like, okay, Millie, you know, of course, Millie's going to organize a birthday party, mm. but God, God forbid if we had to do like two of them, you know, like one in April and one in, you know, in September or, you know, like that. I mean, that would have been a disaster. I might have pulled, I might have committed suicide <laughs> on that. But one at one time, I mean, it was a piece yeah, of cake. a seasonal celebration. That's all it was. It's yeah, perfect. we put it all together. So happy birthday to both, happy the, birthday uh, to both to of them. To all the Lombardis out in the world, but yeah. especially those two guys uh, who were who great and, for us. And, and, and I'm going to be a grandfather for the third time. How My about goodness. that? This is this is a beautiful day. This is it, great news. This is truly the great season. It really is. Well, unfortunately for Vance Joseph and the Denver Broncos, they are not <laughs> as excited as the Lombardi family is right now with all that good news. Um, last night we saw Monday Night Football that the uh, the Denver Broncos were in a position to do what we thought they could, which is expose a little bit this Chiefs offense and maybe put some pressure on them, especially up front with those five pass rushers, uh, especially with Von Miller. But uh, unfortunately, last night Von Miller had to put up the tired signal a few too many times, and Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, they brought him down and get a win, 27-23. And it, and it looked like one of those situations where the Denver Broncos, they were upset after the game about a delay of game penalty. We're going to get in that in a second. But just first off from there, the Chiefs get over this, you know, get over the hump in the AFC West and get a nice win on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, look, Mahomes did everything. I, I thought the Denver game plan initially was really what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I, first of all, Tate Frazier, I don't know about you, but Monday Night Football, I can't, I, I've now muted it officially. I can't. That, but to, I mean, Booger's on the, all down there talking. I mean, and then... Witten's talking. I like. I can't like. Booger was supposed to be down there on like being a sideline. Like I thought he was going to be down there to show like, okay, the coaches are designing stuff and this is what the adjustments are going to be. Like, give us insight. I think the fans missed this so badly. Mm-hmm. The insight from the sideline, and not that Lisa Salters isn't giving us information. It's just like, what's going on down there? What are, what are the adjustments are they trying to get into? What are they going to do? But he's over there commenting on the game. Why don't they just put his ass back up in the box? You know, and like let him sit up there. Because it, it doesn't flow. And now he's at a he's at a desk anyway down there. Yeah, right? I mean, so we'll just get him up to the booth. We need Booger in the booth. We've been saying that. I, I also find it interesting. I had a friend of mine who works sidelines of now at ESPN. I won't say the name specifically, but she was saying that it was such a hard time being on the sideline now because these these teams are so aware where they are. They're, they're trying to withhold right. information from them. So if you know that going into it, 
why don't we just figure out some other solution? Because this isn't going to, you know, yeah. the old formula is not working at this point. I love that. T- I love that thing on, you'll see it on NFL films when, when the big tuna Parcells was up in uh, New England and he says, you get that camera the hell out of here <laughs> yeah. when the guy comes over there. <laughs> I love that. But anyway, I thought Denver's game plan was exactly how people are going to play the Chiefs from mm-hmm. now, now on. Okay, look. <laughs> I know they never talked about it on the broadcast, but the Denver went into the game saying, Kareem Hunt, you run the ball as much as you can. We only lose this game if we give up explosive plays. We only lose this game if the ball gets thrown over our head and the game gets away from us where we become behind by 10. I thought Denver set it up so that, look, they moved the ball down the field. They forced a bunch of third downs as much as they could, and they played it. But then in the fourth quarter, you know, this is a classic example, Tate Frazier, a classic example of what Al Davis taught me years ago was this is why this is what happens after a game. The focus is going to be on the delay of the game penalty. The focus mm. is going to be on this. When in reality, the Broncos lost the game because they couldn't stop them on third down in the fourth quarter. The Kansas City was four or five in the third quarter. Of course, they had a third. And nobody mentions the third and third, the second and 30 that they com- eventually mm-hmm. converted, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody mentions that, right? Why would you? If you're a dominant defense, Tate Frazier, and you're in second and 30, aren't you getting off the field? You would think so. Uh, you're definitely not playing prevent defense at that point. No. And then, and then, I mean, nobody talked about this. I mean, at the key moments of the game, mm. the best pass rushers coming off the field. I mean, that, like, how can Von Miller come off the field in the final drive? I, I, how can he do that? Where's the conditioning of the Denver defense? Like, if you're John Elway sitting up in the box, like, he can't come off the field. Mm. Like, this is where we're paying him. He's our him. quarterback. He, we're paying him $19 million to make this play right here. This is why we're paying him. And now he's off to the sideline. Mm. And so, the, to me, this is a classic, again, Al Davis. They, this is, they think they lost because of this, when in reality, they haven't even looked at the pay, tape enough. They never controlled the quarterback in the pocket. They let Mahomes get out of the pocket all game. It wasn't just once or twice. Because let me tell you this, it's hard to keep great quarterbacks in the pocket. You got to really work at it and be disciplined. But what the F? I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, they sitting there thinking it's a good way. We got to delay the game code. It should have been third and 12. How quick do you think it would have been before they converted to third and 12? Yeah, pretty quickly, especially because the the play that they run is a Shaq Barrett 35-yard gain at this point. So (laughs) you're bringing up the play. You were saying it's a penalty, but it obviously was a non-penalty. It was third and seven. The Broncos were on their 46. As you just mentioned, it was second and 30. Uh, You know, the the Chiefs were on the Broncos 46. It was second and 30. Mahomes, a 23-yard pass. Now we're third and seven. The clock hits zero. Uh, Barrett, after the game says that, he was like, it was 100% at zero. Uh, But that, you know, that had nothing to do with why I didn't stick with my person. Just got to do better. So at least there was some ownership there. Vance Joseph, after the game, you know, does, you know, once again, reiterates, uh, he asked the referee, uh, he said he looked up, it was zero and the ball was gone. Uh, he said he disagrees with that. The the, the interesting part and the reason why this is a, a talking point is, you know, th- this is uh, one of those situations where we cannot challenge if it's a delay. Again. Right, right. Granted, you know, who's to say that third and 12 changed anything from third and seven? Again, it was a 35 yard gain at this point. But I mean, is that something worth looking into? Should we be able to challenge this or is it does it even matter? Because it seems like after the game, the Broncos wanted to continue to bring this up. I mean, it doesn't matter because, look, Broncos were 0 for 4 on third down in the fourth quarter. You're paying Case Keenum 18 million dollars. Okay, you know it's the classic example, Tate Frazier. You're, you're not married, right? You, no, you, no, no. And when, whenever you do, you're going to go. You're going to go to the <laughs> store and you're going to buy something together mm-hmm. as a couple, right? Mm-hmm. And you know your wife's going to say, "Well, you know, I really want this dining room table, and it costs, you know, let's say it costs a thousand dollars, and you really can't afford it, so you settle for the five hundred dollar dining room table that you hate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it, instead of like figuring out a way to make it to get the one you want, it's or, a stopgap, right? That's what that's exactly what they did with Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're paying him 18 million and they're not happy. 
They can't be happy. I mean, if you're John Elway after the game, you go down the locker room, you've hired Vance Joseph, you've signed Case Keenum, okay? And you've got to sit there and say, like, are these two decisions the best decisions I've made for the Denver Broncos? Are they? Now, I know I've signed... I, I, I got lucky with Brock Osweiler. He didn't take the coin. Mm -hmm. He's now down in Miami. He made an appearance, by the way. <laughs> okay. The heist. The always. heist. I drafted Peyton Paxton Lynch. Mm -hmm. Okay. He hasn't done it. You know, he's been, he's out of the league. He hasn't done anything. Right. Like at some point, when do you sit there and say like, this team isn't very good. I mean, they're hard. Last year, they were horrible on the road. They only won at home because early in the season, like we talk about, they usually win at home. Now they got to go on the road. I, I don't know. I mean, I think they went the cheap route with the quarterback, and this is what they got. And the thing is, it wasn't even that cheap of a route. I no. mean, $18 million is still uh, He's making more than the great Blake Bortles. Exactly. And we're also in this situation where we talked about in the offseason plenty of times when it was the quarterback carousel that was going on. We talked about, does Cousins fit the, you know, the pedigree of what Elway is looking for? And it sort of seemed... He sat back and waited to see how it was going to play out, and then we're going to take the guy that's available. You know what I mean? As right. if as if they were already set and ready to go, as if this defense is going to carry this team. Not to say Von Miller's not one of those superstar talents, but like you said, if Von Miller's not on the field, then you, you know th that is who you are. If, th if that's your identity, then you have to lean into that 100%. And if not, then you really have to readjust, right? Like I, I mean, I know guys get tired, right? Mm -hmm. But it was the beginning of the drive. It's a two-minute warning. There's no time to get tired at that mm -hmm. point, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you, I need him on the field. Or, and or if you go, you know, if you're Elway and you're sitting in the box like you're saying. And after the game, you maybe go down to Vance Joseph and say, well, "How do we, how do we, you know, stagger this out where Vaughn is there in, in, in the fourth time. quarter?" Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, like, okay, like I'll tell you for example, JJ Watt. JJ Watt in the first half. You watched the first half of the tape against the Colts and the Texans. JJ Watt was was really good. But as the game wore on, JJ Watt got tired. Like, if you're Houston, right, mm -hmm. you know JJ Watt's getting older in age, still a dominant player, can take over games, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to preserve him for the fourth quarter when it really matters. If you wear his ass out in the first half and he's done by the fourth quarter because of exhaustion. Which you really can't prevent. You got to you got to see that and, and adapt to it. Same thing in Denver. But to me, John Elway, when he drove home last night, he had to think to himself. And this is this is really as a GM, this is really when you know things are fucked up. Mm -hmm. Okay, that you just drove home last night and you have the fourth worst quarterback in the division that you just signed to a contract. You've just watched your competitors draft probably the next great quarterback in the NFL. How am I going to close this gap? How am I going to do it? Like, you know, it's like you sitting there and you know that Aaron Rodgers is on the other team and you're the Vikings. How do I like that's a hard gap to close. Mm -hmm. Like it isn't just, OK, I'm going to sign this player and I close the gap. No, when you're playing against when you've got when you've been trying to draft quarterbacks and the other team who had a quarterback goes and gets a better one and an even better one. You're driving home that night like you're like, we're fucked. Mm -hmm. We're fucked. Mm -hmm. Like everybody that when the Colts drafted, uh, when the Colts drafted Andrew Luck, everybody in the league at that time was like, "We're all fucked because he's going to win. He's too good. They're going to win." And he's in that division. And he's, he's in that going division. to the AFC South. But they didn't realize that Ryan Grigson was the great equalizer, and he was going to screw up enough drafts and beat up Luck that the kind of he's equal like, "I need more Taven Austin types yeah, to put around." This exactly. Guy. <laughs> Instead of you know, like give give a guy who has <laughs> no idea said, how to yeah. give a guy who has no idea how to build a team, let him have all the power in the world, uh, even let him tell the coaches who they have mm. to play and all that. Really smart. And let him be Al Davis. That was brilliant. <laughs> but anyway, so he equalized. So my rea the reality of it is, is like, if you're, if you're Elway, you're like, we're fucked. Mm -hmm. We're fucked. Mm -hmm. Like I fucked this up bad. 
Like, I would be saying that, too. I mean, you have to be honest with yourself. You can't make excuses. Well, it was a delay of game penalty, and we didn't do this. Or we, no, no, asshole. The reality of this, Mahomes is going to keep kicking your ass mm-hmm. year after year until you get it right. And you had the formula to beat Mahomes. Like, you played the game that we thought that they would play. Exactly. Where, where, like, you did everything to and stop still that lost. And, and falter that Chiefs offense, and we still lost, which is even more of an alarming thing. My question really is, you're saying, you know, Elway's going to have this reflective period. But does he? He needs th- to have it. He needs to have it. But does he act on it? That right? I mean, is he fine to say again? We won a Super Bowl not too long ago, and we have this defense with Von Miller. I mean, we are we are still. I mean, has he has he does he have enough time on his hands to sort of write it? Not maybe not this season, but in the off season, or is it? You know, it is what it is at this point. You know, I, I, I you know, obviously, I'm leaving Los Angeles today, Tate Frazier. It's very disappointing. Today's a very sen- sen- sentimental day that it's I'm very moving back to New Jersey, yes. and I can't You're like wait. my Los Angeles family. Yeah, so I know. I'm, I'm moving. Lombardi's go. But I packed up the office today. I love this office. I wrote the book here, and I love this office. But when I was packing up the office, I, I came across the the book that applies to the NFL so greatly. Mm. Ryan Holiday is a very close friend. He wrote "Obstacle Is the Way," and I thought that book was really summed up Bill Belichick perfectly, Marcus Aurelius. But the book that sums up the NFL that I was going through yesterday when I packed the office was Ego is the Enemy. Mm. And so to answer your question, ego is the enemy when you come down and make these decisions. You let your ego get in the way of this. And if you're not willing to admit you made a mistake and say, look, I screwed up. I mean, Vance Joseph, he's a head coach in the NFL. I mean, that's remarkable in itself, right? Case Keenum's making $18 million. That's remarkable in itself. Mm-hmm. Only in America can that happen, mm-hmm. right? Case Keenum looked like a backup quarterback last night. Case Keenum, like you, everybody in the in Maha Stadium is like, well, when's the starter coming in? Like, mm-hmm. when, where's our starter? When's he coming in? Mm-hmm. Like, you have the fourth worst quarterback. One thing you have to do when you run a team, and this is another Al Davisism, is you have to put up, Al was, was huge about evaluating every player on your team based on the other four teams in your division. So, and then you total those points up. Do you have, where's our free safety rank compared to the four free safeties in the division? Mm-hmm. Where does our quarterback rank compared to the other four? If you're Denver and you've got the fourth worst quarterback and they've got the best quarterback who happens to be the youngest quarterback, mm-hmm. Shit ain't good. Yeah, you have a problem at that point. And uh, after the game, we should say Vance Joseph said this is a learning, uh, learning for this team, and they will know how to close out games moving forward. This is a game they feel like they left on the table, uh, and they hope that they can move forward and close it out. I mean, all coach speak at this point. We did see them do it against the Raiders. You know, yeah. I mean, but look, they beat the Raiders in Seattle at home, and and look, they they easily could have won that game if Mm -hmm. Keenum. Hits the they play cover two. If Keenum hits the hits the dead spot in two, the guy walks into the end zone for a touchdown, right? But he overthrows it by Demarius Thomas. He overthrows it by five yards. And Case Keenum, we should say, is probably the most valuable backup quarterback in the NFL. But he happens to be getting paid eighteen million dollars to be a starter. So that's where we're at at this point. Yeah, I mean, to me. You got no quarterback. Your defense is Von Miller's not going to be Von Miller forever. Yeah, and you're putting a lot of pressure on him to, and we to didn't shoulder get, and carry this team. And they didn't get an, I mean, they didn't control Mahomes in the pocket. And Mahomes is like, this is truly what it is. Mm-hmm. They played, you know, Mahomes, when, when you let Mahomes play a five Mississippi game instead of a three Mississippi game, you're in trouble. And those extra two seconds that he gets when he moves out of the pocket, you can't cover Tariq Hill all across the mm-hmm. field. And I thought Denver did a good job covering him last night. But you can't. Once the play extends, you can't cover him out and, there. And that was the game-winning play, the third and seven that we talked about with the no call. With the left game. hand. He rolls out to his right and makes a thir- ends up being a 35-yard game because that the, the five guys that are coming up field, guess what? He gets outside of them because... 
he's a talented player and he can use his feet and that's what Pat Mahomes has been doing all season so uh, that was Monday Night Football for us of course uh, we do this every single week we do the five performances that jumped out to you Lombardi um, first up we're going to talk about uh, the Falcons and the Bengals um, uh, another shootout back to back weeks for Matt Ryan unfortunately uh, for him and for all those Falcons fans in the world, uh, once they go down, the defense doesn't step up for the Falcons. And the Cincinnati Bengals get away with the win. Nice win for the Bengals, of course. Uh, probably the biggest note of this game for people that didn't see it, Tyler Eifert goes down with a, a gruesome leg injury, which you know hurts that Bengals team, especially as far as possession receivers that they need. But just overall, looking at this Bengals and Falcons team, uh, you know what, what's the main takeaway here other than, my goodness, the Falcons need some help on defense? Yeah, you know, I think they've lost too many guys. I think that's the problem with the Falcons. You can't overcome those losses. I mean, mm-hmm. they've given up. They've lost two home games in a row they've given up over 30 points since the opening game against Philadelphia even though they won one of those games they went one and two on this three-game road trip and for me dome teams that lose at home is not a good sign Mm -hmm. it's really not a good sign and so you know I think that's a real issue and Matt Ryan can't carry the team they're gonna have to figure out a way to where I mean this week they play Pittsburgh I believe they go up to Pittsburgh and you know, again, that'll be a shootout because Pittsburgh can't play any defense whatsoever. There's some really bad defenses in the NFL. I mean, when you, I mean, Kansas City can't tackle, Pittsburgh can't tackle. We know the Bucks can't. I mean, there's some really bad tackling teams. But anyway, I mean, if you're Atlanta, you just got to figure out a way. Atlanta is so. Atlanta only wants to add players to the roster that they draft. They're very Ted Tom Thompson issues, mm-hmm. and if they draft them, they stay on the team. They don't steal guys off the. It's a very Atlanta professional organization thing to do, by the way. For it, like like in baseball, the Braves are very that way. You know, they just very they stay within the system. Were you They're a Braves fan growing up? I wasn't a Braves fan, but I mean, we who, went to like, like spring training down in Florida. Who, 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 when you grow up in Carolina, what baseball team do you root for? It's actually interesting. It's basically you have three choices. You have the or- Orioles if you want to be like Mid Atlantic, if that's the team. Like for me, I'm close to the Virginia border, so there's a lot of Orioles fans. My great uncle played on the Orioles. So there was a little bit of that there. Cal Ripken Jr., of course. People love Brady Anderson. B.J. Surhoff played at Carolina, stuff like that. Atlanta is probably like if you were like a Southern boy, you'd probably yeah. like the Braves. And then there's a lot of people that were, you know, I had family in New York, came down to North Carolina. Yanks. And I love the New York Yankees. Yeah. And that's sort of what my family yeah, is. The Yankees are, tr- you know, the Yankees are like they are everywhere. I mean, you know, when you grew up in New Jersey, you know, there's obviously a lot of Yankee fans and Philly fans and all that. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting how that how the area c- creates that. But going back to Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta is so vanilla in what they do in personnel. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't they don't steal. They make no tra- very few trades. They don't steal anybody off somebody's practice squad. Mm-hmm. They don't waiver claim guys. I mean, they're very vanilla. In fact, when when you, every year you do the you do the breakdowns of waiver transactions by teams, you know, in Seattle and uh, Seattle and New England are at the top of the list. And people say, well, Thomas Dimitrov, you know, he learned in New England. So he's the New England way. No, 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 no. He's the opposite of the New England way. It's all about the draft for Thomas. Mm-hmm. Thomas's pro is not about, it's all about the draft. So when you don't have any way where you're trying to get other players and you're really working the bottom half of your roster, you're kind of stuck with what you got. And so they're kind of trapped where they're not going to get, and they're going to carry it. I mean, Calvin Ridley's been great. Yes. Calvin Ridley's been exceptional. I'm glad you brought that up because we we were harsh on him the first week. We right. talked about the fact that you know maybe we had overestimated what he could do, and now as it stands currently, he is a not only a viable option but definitely the best rookie wide receiver. I mean, he's Todd Rundgren. Right he's seen the light. I mm-hmm. mean, he has seen the light, right? So he's he's kind of he's got it going, and then you know, and their offense is good. I mean, you know, they can move the ball on anybody. The problem is they can't stop anybody, and they're like the Chargers in this sense. Okay, so the Chargers and the Falcons run Seattle scheme. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they run it just they basically 
they ripped out the playbook and they run it just exactly the same way. And what happens is if you're not, if you don't diversify and modify it, mm-hmm. you just become too vanilla. The Chargers, people, I mean, CJ Beathard moved the ball against them, which we said that on Friday podcast they were going to. We knew the we that was the lock of the week that the mm-hmm. the 49ers were going to cover the 10 points, right? So, you know, th- there's not enough diversity within the scheme to help the players out because that's the way the scheme is. And so they're trying to, but I think more than the scheme in Atlanta, I think the issue is really that they don't expand their talent base and try to find now look, it's hard to find great players at this time of year. Losing Deion Jones is going to be hard. They lost both safeties. That's hard. So, you know, they lose Neil. And so that's going to be hard. But to me, they're not. But let's go back to Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati is really good on offense. And the injury to Tyler Effort, that's going to be a problem. But they're really good. They didn't have Joe Mixon in one the game. Yeah. And I want to say, I do want to point this out. This is from a guy, Scott Katzmer, that, that tweeted this at me. Uh, Since 1940, teams scoring 36 or more points at home with zero, turnover, with zero turnovers are astounding. 402 and four overall. The Atlanta Falcons are 0 2, uh, also doing that last week. So, we're, I mean, that that is. That's a great stat. That, that is insane. Scott, that's an unbelievable stat. And the Falcons, 11 for 15 on third downs, turned the ball over zero times, only punted once, and somehow still managed to lose this game. So that's that, an that's, incredible yeah, stat. That, I, I, I admire great stats because every week I spend all this time trying to. You know, I thought I, you would like that one. I, I go over the notes, and I mean, I make notes on every single game, and that's a really, that's a, that's a, that's a winner, winner, chicken dinner right there. Absolutely. And that's, so that's what we're dealing with as far as the Falcons. Obviously, it's got to be frustrating. But you got to see, like, it's like when I was in when I was in Oakland and Kerry Collins had a hundred. If I saw Kerry Collins on the sideline of the Penn State game, Ohio State game, what a great game! Great but, Panthers quarterback. Kerry oh, Collins. I mean, and Kerry and Kerry, <laughs> the year Kerry was with us in Oakland, he had like a hundred and five quarterback rating, and he was playing his best. And we were one and three, and I thought we're fucked because it, he can't play any better, right? And we still can't win. Right, you know. When are we going to get the Kerry Collins, you know, quarterback story like a, a football life? You know, when, when we I need don't know. Gary Neal to play him, he looks just like him. He does. He yeah, really does. I mean, what a great guy. Kerry's probably got. He, I think he has a cattle ranch down there in the Carolina somewhere. Of course he does. I bet he's out there herding cattle. He could probably use Bella. She's barked enough in the last. Anyone 10 days. that knows what Kerry Collins is, please reach out to him. And let him know the GM Street. We need to have him. I, on I here. love. He's Kerry. one Kerry of my favorites. Kerry, Absolutely. Kerry was great. But anyway, so. You know, at some point when you can't, when you when you play that perfectly and you still don't win. This shit's going to hit the fan big time. And you talked about uh, the ego check. We talked about uh, the thing with Elway. I mean, is there, uh, did Dimitrov, you know, look at himself in the mirror a little bit here and go, hey, Tom, what's going on? We got to figure out if we can get some guys in here, some look, veterans look, to help I this think, defense out. I think to me, the only way you can get better in the NFL is to use every avenue you can possibly use to procure talent. It's, it's absolutely necessary. And if you don't, if you're only going to use the draft and you're only going to keep guys you draft on the team, you're going to be subject to it. And there's going to be those highs and the lows. That's why you see Atlanta high and low sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Matt Ryan, you know, he's played three games in the Dome. And he's played really well. But we know what Matt Ryan looked like when he went outside the Dome, when they could only score 14, whatever they scored against Philly in the opener. I yeah. mean, so they struggled. I and mean, what they did in the playoffs. And what they did in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. you know, now your quarterback who's best at home has to go on the road and you've lost one of th- two straight. I mean, Atlanta's sitting there looking at their schedule and saying, okay, we got a tough opening game in Philly. Then we get three straight home games. Hey, the worst we're going to be is three and one out of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're one and three. Yep. And you, if you're Matt Ryan, you go down to that defensive room at some point and you say, hey, guys, can you help me out a little bit? You see this stat? I'm putting up 36 points every single week. I need and some I, help. And I'm not turning the ball over. <laughs> yeah. It's not on me. I got. We got to figure this out. Let's go to the next game that we have here. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending champions, uh, taking on the Tennessee Titans. We had, a, once again this week, uh, overtime games and a lot of chances for ties. And this is one of those games. The Eagles, uh, I mean, for, the, for, for all that they've been, you know, we've talked about the struggles with that first team offense. Uh, they struggled in the red zone again, the offensive line. 
line had a, a, a slew of problems to, uh, protecting Wentz Carson got Wentz. Killed. And Wentz got killed. So let's talk about that. The Titans uh, have a nice drive at the end of the game. We'll get down to specifics. But first off, talking about that Eagles front line and, and, and what's going on with Wentz and those guys. I, I think the Eagles are realizing how hard it is to repeat. I mean, look, the Eagles, I thought this was the lock of the week. I and mean, mm-hmm. they're up 17-3 in the middle of the third quarter. I mean, that's usually a game the Eagles put away, right? Especially with uh, Marcus Mariota, who doesn't really play, does, have his arm 100%. But I think this game proves to everybody, you know, and I know this is going to be a tough pill to swallow in Philadelphia. The Eagles can't cover anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just can't cover anybody. Corey Davis had a career. He got his first touchdown in the NFL. He's the fifth pick overall in the draft. He had a career day against the Eagles secondary. Like at some point, if the Eagles don't win with their front, they can't win. And that's the reality of it is. And what's happened now on third down, they're not as effective on third down. Wentz is getting hit. Wentz doesn't really run as well because coming off the knee, it's going to take him some time to get his full speed back. I mean, I think Wentz is fabulous. I think Wentz is doing good. Alshon Jeffrey, they needed him back. He made some plays on the outside, which they desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar's back to dropping the ball again. That's a problem. <laughs> they didn't really have their running backs. Clement was hurt. Smallwood played in the game. But to me, when you're up 17 to 3, even though you're on the road, you got to close that game out. Even when they score to make it 17 to 10, you got to close it out. But the Eagles couldn't couldn't do it in Tampa Bay. A bad team in Tampa Bay, right? I mean, especially were, after we're going to talk about it a little bit later with Fitzmagic. Right. But right, a bad. Now we know Tampa's defense is really bad. And, you know, they Tennessee, and I got to give Mike Vrabel credit. Mike Vrabel, he's 3 and 1. I don't think they're a pretty team, but they're an effective team. They've won three games with – and Mariota, to me, was the star of the week because he he wasn't 100%, mm-hmm. but he moved the ball with his feet. He made plays. They didn't run the ball in this game for any success, really. I mean, Mariota was the leading ground keeper, ground gainer in the game, but they made enough plays to keep the Eagles off balance. Mariota could scramble around the pocket. I mean, this was a huge, huge win. That, and I thought this was the lock of the week for Philly. I really did. And for Philly not to win this game, it's going to be disheartening. And you could hear the rumbles in Philadelphia now. Yeah, people are starting to roll their eyes a little bit, and we know how uh, the Philadelphia faithful are. They really want to see those guys really live up to expectations. But I did want to point out, you talked about uh, you know what you're seeing from Vrabel. It kind of reminded me uh, of what we've seen from the Dolphins, obviously, until this week. But they're not losing games, right? I mean, and that comes down to good coaching at a certain level. And you brought it up, Marcus Mariota. Not only are they not losing games, Marcus Mariota won this game for them. I mean, he, he goes into overtime. They have two fourth down conversions. He ends up throwing that 10-yard touchdown to Corey Davis. Uh, uh, who ended up going nine catches, 161 yards, and obviously the game-winning touchdown. So Mariota comes in, and you have your quarterback, who you know we've been <laughs> we, the past few weeks we've talked about. I mean, is Marcus their guy? We, we've seen him. We've seen highs. Yeah. We've seen lows. You see a performance like this. This has to give you a little bit of yeah. And uh, this yeah. is the opposite of the Vance shows a factor where Vance has said that we're going to start winning games like this. No, Vance, you have to win those games. That's mm-hmm. how you create more momentum to win the next one. Mm-hmm. You don't lose a game to create momentum to win. You win games to create momentum to win. And that's what Tennessee has been able to do. I mean, they steal a win against the Texans, right? They make the 66-yard pass on fake field goal. And they Blaine Gabbert has the drive of the game. When they absolutely need it the most, they come down the field, they win that game. Mm. They go into Jacksonville, and how they do it, I still have no clue. They score nine points and win, Right. They score nine points and win that game. They don't do anything on offense. And it was the one game where Blake Bortles has looked, you know, like the joke, you know, the Blake Bortles joke, the Blake Bortles Twitter account, all that right. sort of stuff. Like that was the Blake that we make fun of, you know, right. not the Blake that showed up in other games and been good. I mean, Blake's had two games this year where he's been great. And he said, you know, the one game where he was bad and one game he's average. So. That is not false duality. That is just Blake Bortles. <laughs> That's my man, Blake. <laughs> That's my man, Blake. I love Blake. I mean, God love him. He's the great equalizer if there ever was one. But the reality here is, is, I mean, Tennessee finds ways to win games, and you got to give it credit for that. And for a young coach like Mike Rabel, 
I do. I think Dean Peace has done a good job with their defense. I mean, they blitzed the shit out of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and Philly was having a hard time picking it up. And you saw the frustration. I mean, wins a couple of times where he had free rushers coming at him. I mean, he's going straight down, getting hit hard, and you could see him getting up and was like, guys, come on, you got to give me something. I can't but run away from like this. Like last year, people don't realize last year he got the shit kicked out of him too. He just was really he just good. incredible. He just yeah. was Superman. He had a mm-hmm. cape on, you know? I mean, and so, you know, so I, I mean, to me, I think Mariota really showed something in terms of his intestinal fortitude. The mental toughness of Tennessee really has me to where I think that they've won. I mean, I don't know. I think they could beat anybody at any time the way they play, but I know they could lose to anybody at any time because I don't know how good they really are, but the Eagles just couldn't make the plays when it counted. One more note before we move on from this game. Yeah, one more note I want to say on that. Go ahead, Tate. I just want to ask you about Schwartz. So you talked about that defense, and obviously we know about the pass rush, that front seven, what it did for that team. It basically set the tone, helped them win a Super Bowl. If you're Schwartz and you're looking at this pass rush, obviously we've lost some guys, we've lost some talent, but we're still trying to get back to that point. We talked about, you know, the 26 to 33 minute, trying to get down to 26. how longer on the field is there anything that jim is doing this week with these guys where he's like we gotta we gotta step this up because we are we are offense in a certain at a certain level right i think jim's looking at his calendar like when is jernigan coming back (laughs) like hey timmy how you feeling yeah Yeah. when is he coming back i need jernigan back really quickly i think jernigan back would help Mm -hmm. because nada and michael bennett are not the same players i mean you know they've signed those two guys to replace vinnie curry good names but not necessarily good production but they're not they they need to play less plays and not as effective so he needs jernigan back and i think i mean when you're schwartz the one thing about his defense that's pretty clear you the problems you can solve are the problems uh, are, come down to one thing we got to win with our front we mm-hmm. he we don't win with our back end we got to win with our front and the point i was going to make before was i got to give Rabel credit for his game management i mean he's sitting there he's got a fourth and four mm. and he got a chance to kick a 50-yard field goal to tie the game and extend it because the eagles took the opening kick and went down and kicked the field goal todd Bowles would have kicked it though right <laughs> i mean Bowles probably would have kicked it god knows vance joseph <laughs> yeah, would have kicked, kicked it I, I mean, anthony you know, lynn would have kicked it i mean uh, our man the the, the, the clapper would have kicked it yeah garrett would have kicked it for sure I, I mean so like and he and he sits there and says you know what if i miss this kick a i lose the game but b there's, there's a 50 50 proposition i'm going to make the kick anyway right mm-hmm. And so, you know, he goes for it on fourth and four and he gets it. I mean, the Eagles had more chances to win on yeah, fourth and 15. They can. Yeah, hurt. that's what I was going to say. I mean, fourth and four, at least, you know, in some world, you, that makes sense. But to have a fourth and 15 and let those guys. And to convert it. Mm. And you got a great pass rush. I mean, so I, I think, I, you know, to me, Vrabel understands that a missed field goal is a turnover. Mm-hmm. Whereas John Gruden, you know, John Gruden's sitting there in his game against Huey in the news. <laughs> and he's got a chance in the same situation off the dirt, right? And I could see Rich Basacci's special teams come over to him and kind of could try to talk John into doing it. Mm-hmm. And Basacci, I could I could sense it. I don't know if this is true, but it's just from my observation. It looked like he talked John into like we can make this kick, right? And even if you make it, Cleveland gets the ball back anyway, right? I don't think I think the game was at that point it wasn't going to win the game for mm-hmm. him. I think Cleveland had to get the ball back, so they miss it. And now we're in good field position. Now Cleveland's in good field mm-hmm. position. And Huey in the News has got a chance to win the game right there. Mm-hmm. And of course, they couldn't do it. But to me, once you understand that a missed field goal is a turnover, you don't even contemplate it. Like, mm-hmm. let's see, I think it was fourth and 10, so he couldn't go for it. He was in that gray area. You know, it's like you're right in that area, you can't do it. 
You know, the other thing that's really clear. Or you just do the Jin, the June Jones punt from, from back in the day. Right. People that know June Jones is basically like, we're running four verts on fourth and 10, and we're throwing it up, and, and hopefully, hopefully you're dumb enough to catch it. You know, <laughs> exactly. to pad your stats. You know, Trey Boston, pick it off. Thank yeah. you. Now you're on the seven yeah, And he's line. on the Cardinals. He's not on the Chargers. I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. I apologize. Right. I made that mistake. Somebody pointed out to me. I appreciate all the help I get on Twitter. <laughs> I, I need it. I just trust me. I need it badly. You know, the thing that that is is clear is that you know, you have to you have to be aware of it. Like you just can't like turn that thing in and say, okay, we're gonna make this kick. And then of course they miss it and then Cleveland comes down and they don't and they're not able to convert on it and make the play. But to me, I, I think that that uh, I think that I got to give Mike Brayball a ton of praise for that. Let's talk about the other. That was the other overtime game. We just knocked out this uh, this whole Titans game. We've got to talk about the Browns and the Raiders. This was a game uh, on Friday for people that listen. Uh, I think we both brought up just. You know, this is there are gonna be a lot of eyeballs here because if John Gruden is what we see now with you know if he is defeated at this point and has not won a game, uh, there will be a lot of uh, talking heads in Oakland. You know, we might even see Brent Musburger on the Oakland Raiders radio may have some thoughts on what's going on up there. He's probably gonna be upset. You know, how be- great is Brent money. Musburger? It's so, at some and, and his voice is incredible. Oh yes, I mean I do a radio show with him. Every I pulled week. it up just to listen to it, uh, just because I wanted to see you know what he's up to, I, and he I, sounds great. I do a radio show with him every week for the Visa Network. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm going to do some stuff back in Atlantic City at the Oceans Casino nice. for VEASAN and a uh, little plug there. Nice. But uh, talking college on Saturday, talking pro on Sunday. But anyway, I mean, it's amazing. The guy's voice is still incredible. He sees the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can see the game. It's not like he's missing stuff from the field. Like some guys can not really see it. But And there's a passion point behind it too. That's yeah, why we've it. always enjoyed he loves uh, it. Musburger. But but back to the Raiders and the Browns in this game. I mean, the Cleveland showed up. They had, you know, for, for whatever we're talking about, Baker Mayfield, there's just moxie that comes with what this, this Browns team's looks like with him uh, under center and they go into Oakland. This is a game that if you're the Raiders, this is a nice layup for us. You would think we're going to get things together. We're going to you know, really show who we are as a team. And as it goes, we have a shootout in, in Cleveland at certain times in this game, look like a, you know, a more professional football team. As crazy as that is to say, I mean, congratulations, you, you're doing it. Yeah. But 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 that was where we're at in this Raiders game. The Raiders, you know, luckily pull it out for them, uh, 45-42. But just I mean, overall. they get really they got fortunate because I mean, you know, the Browns have the eight point lead late in the game. They don't get the call on fourth and inches. I didn't think it was look to me when they spotted the ball originally. I didn't think it was a first down. So I know that Dean Blandino thought it was, and then they reversed the call. It didn't look to me like it, but who knows? I mean, those look. Everybody's hung up on the call. And the reality of it is, is the, the Browns defense had ample opportunity to stop not only the touchdown, but the two point play and they win the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got two chances to get. And we up. should say third quarter, six minutes left. What's the score? 28-14 Browns. I mean, yeah. they're winning this game. Dominating the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the the Raiders defense was struggling to get off the field. I mean, Mayfield had a couple drops, the key drops. but And the pick six really hurt him going yeah. in half. But I mean. I mean, so, you know, I, I, look, I think Mayfield certainly is, you know, I think last week was a react was now this week playing Baltimore will be a bigger challenge, even though he pl- gets to play him at home. But and Baltimore gets Jimmy Smith back, which they desperately need. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, look, I, I think Oakland, I mean, to me, Oakland's really sitting there saying to themselves, how good is Derek Carr? Like there's some things Carr does in games that look really good, but the ball, he wants the ball out of his hands so fast. Mm-hmm. It's got to be driving Gruden crazy. Mm-hmm. And and, and they, a, Can we call him a two Mississippi quarterback? Because he, he takes yeah. two steps yeah, back and yeah. it's out of his hand. Hey, man, I'm throwing this bitch. Mm-hmm. I'm getting this thing mm-hmm. out of my hand. I mean, it's it's Eli Manning-ish. It's Eli Manning-ish, mm-hmm. you know. Did you see, by the way, not to change the subject here, but did you see where Odell might be frustrated with the giant offense? Mm-hmm. Not really. We, mm-hmm. Did we not talk about this on GM? Street. like seriously like like this is a revelation 
I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, Ferris, but, but that's you know, Ferris, you know, that's, I mean. But Ferris should be pissed off. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Shepard, you got Ferris, you got Barkley, you can't get the, people are saying, why can't they get the ball to him? Uh, uh, I, anyway. Back once to again, the, Ferris is pointing, he's like, that guy right there, yeah, that's supposed I, to throw it to uh, me. You're not allowed to say it. No, there's a memo going around, you're not allowed to bad talk about Eli. You cannot do that. There's you get an memo. email from Archie Manning. It's like, there's a not, memo going around, talk about Eli. no bad talking. <laughs> Eli is going to play for the next 47 years in the National Football You just get Super Bowl highlights, they send them to you. It's a YouTube clip. Remember this? Mario Manning. Him. I mean, but look, I, the Raiders are, I, I, I think the Raiders that were very fortunate. I think they do some really good things offensively. I thought Marshawn Lynch, I saw Marshawn Lynch play at Oakland Tech, mm-hmm. okay, in high school. Okay. It's and amazing. Marshawn Lynch at Oakland Tech in high school looks like Marshawn Lynch today. He ran over guys in high school like he's running over guys today. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's taking. Like, I got to get me some of that crap because <laughs> Skittles. It, it's got to it be. It just Skittles. Because he's unbelievable. Yes. I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, I mean and, and people, they're much maligned when, you know, when Gruden came in and he basically came out and was like, Marshawn is our guy. We need him in the locker room. A lot of people were like, we, he may be past his prime, but in this game, 130 yards on 20 carries and, and, and looked like himself. beat the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, just beat the living dog out of people. I mean, like he was great. Yeah, it was like the Buffalo Marshawn where it was like, I just don't want to tackle this guy. You yeah, know? Like, I just let him run. And he when he gets, and what here, what people don't understand, when it gets colder and they play in cold weather, nobody wants to tackle. In cold mm-hmm. weather, nobody wants to tackle you. That's playoffs, you December know, so, football. But, Who knows if they're going to be in the conversation not, at that point. I don't see that defense is so bad. They can't cover anybody. They can't generate any pressure. Their linebackers might be bad. But anyway, so anyway, I, I, that's a great win for Oakland. I mean, they had to win that one. They had to win. I mean, that was one. They've been in a lot of games. They were outscored 37-3 to in the fourth quarter. And they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter this week. So at least they're making some progress. Mm-hmm. And you have to be excited uh, if you're a Browns fan, obviously. There were some mistakes from Baker Mayfield. But just overall, as far as enjoying a football game, it, it, at least the Browns are entertaining, right? I mean, they're yeah. putting a product on the field that's fun to watch. I mean, obviously, it's not all working out. We've, they've had a bunch of overtime games. If you've only watched Browns football games, if you're an HBO hard knocks guy and you're just like, I'm going to support the Browns, you've been sufficiently entertained at this yeah, no point. No doubt. No doubt. And I think that, look, I don't understand why teams just don't double Landry on every play. <laughs> yes. like, force the ball to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, make Rashard Higgins beat me. Make Callaway beat me. Like, mm-hmm. make, you know, make those other guys beat me. Like, and, you know, Chubb was great. I mean, Chubb, I thought Chubb was really good. I mean, they've got some good pieces there. And, you know, they look good. This week will be a big challenge playing Baltimore. I think we'll know where where they are. And is uh, I just wanted to point this out. I saw this picture go up uh, this week with those three running backs at Georgia. I mean, it is RBU. We do know that. But when you think about the fact that we had Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, and Todd Gurley all in a backfield at one university, uh, that, that just seems unfair. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Matty was at Louisville and Chubb was like a freshman and he just ran I mean, Keith Marshall was also yeah, there, a guy right. on the Redskins. And he was, I think he was the most highly recruited kid of Number all Number one, you know, playing in the country out of Millbrook High School. Yeah, Farms, and so, yeah. I mean, I remember when Matty was at Louisville and they were playing in the Belk Bowl, which I, you know, and I mean, uh, what's his face? I think Gurley didn't play and mm-hmm. what's and Chubb came in and it looked like they didn't miss a beat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's remarkable. Down in Charlotte, that. North Carolina, great bowl game. I've been there plenty of times, Lombardi, as you know. Uh-huh. Uh, next game we have up is something that I have been itching to talk about and you know this uh itching for mitchell itching for mitch uh (laughs) it's it's a huge huge win for the bears uh it is also the end of the fitz magic era the 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 redemption tour for ryan Fitzpatrick. patrick finally we gonna have a funeral for this 
I don't even know if it should be a funeral. It should be, you know, like when you celebrate life and everyone comes and we sing like uplifting music. I think we need that for Fitz Magic because it, it, it was already a shock to the system to see the man uh, do what he was doing. So it, it, we need to celebrate more than we need to mourn because I don't think he's mourning any of this. I think he's just happy that it all worked out. But but I say all this to say that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, it, it looks like Jameis Winston is now their quarterback. Uh, no, and I wrote for The Athletic on Friday and I said to all Bears fans, including you, Mitchell Trubisky fan number one, mm-hmm. I said that if, if Mitchell doesn't play well today, then it's really time to start worrying. So, like, I'll give Mitchell his due. Like, okay, yeah, six touchdowns. I mean, Tate Frazier, you could have thrown a few of them. They were so wide open. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not jumping that Mitchell. This, you know, they got the bye week this week. Mitchell will be perfect again this week, so he can beat the bye. And then we'll go forward with the next week. We'll see what happens after that. But to me, this is a... Br- at least if you're a Bears fan, you breathe a huge sigh of relief saying, oh, thank God, mm-hmm. he played good. If you're a Bucks fan, you, you you got no defense. I mean, you you pay Jason Pierre-Paul this money. You can't get any rush. You can't cover anybody. You know, Mike Smith's given up. They've given up 47 this last week and gave up 40 to the Saints. They've given up 87 points in two road games. 88, 48 this week. Oh, they gave it 48. 48 okay, 48, 88. 10, I'm yeah, sorry. Eight, no, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, my math is horrendous. But anyway, so, you know, you know, I mean, so you can't stop anybody. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't cover. You don't rush well enough. And then, I mean, we can all talk about Fitzmagic. Fitz magic and how it's not happening for him. And, you know, he can tell those seven kids of his that, you know, daddy was great at the beginning of the mm-hmm. 2018 season. Yeah, he sends them week one tape. He's like, yeah. you want to watch, yeah, watch, watch a quarterback play? Week yeah. one against the Saints. But I mean, we all knew he was coming back to reality. He did. He even said he, that. He, he was knew. like, I get hot and I know I get cold. I'm just going to enjoy the hot streak. You, you know, he, you know if, he's at the, if he's at the table in Vegas and he's rolling, stay with him. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you got to say like, uh, okay, I got to go home. He's the type of guy to roll 10 straight sevens. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, he, he's done for the night. So, But it, you got to think, look, I got to think that, you know, the Glazers have fired Tony Dungy, who they put on their wall of fame. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They fired John Gruden, who they put on their wall of fame. Mm-hmm. If you're Dirk Cotter, you got to be sitting there saying, well, these guys, they're crazy. Well, if you're Raheem Morris, you're like, why did I get it put yeah. on the wall of fame? <laughs> exactly. It's like, I won 10 games that time. You remember that? I mean, this team looks so bad. Thank God they have a bye this week. They look so bad. Jameis is coming back, but where are they going to get better on defense? And now OJ Howard's out for two to four weeks. That hurts them. Yes. You, you eliminate the big play. And their offensive line is bad. So when they go on the road, bad lines don't travel well. They won't be as good on offense. I don't see it very good down in Tampa. And it comes down to turn, turnovers at this point with, with that Tampa Bay team. It, it, when Fitz Magic is oh, you know, doing what he does and, and throwing touchdown passes, everything looks great. Uh, and he has those weapons on the outside. It, it's, it's all fun and games. And then when that line starts to you know not show up and he starts turning the ball over, I mean, we see what uh, really the bottom of the barrel is for these guys. I do want to talk about the Bears. Uh, but, but I want to say this about Trubisky. I think here's the here was the perfect storm so fans understand this the 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 Bucks are a zone team, mm-hmm. and they're a predictable zone team. Mike Smith has always been a zone. He's going to make you work the ball down the field. He's going to try to do this. Now, when they play man, they're not very good. So it was a really, in fairness, to to give Mitchell his props because he executed. But in terms of game plan strategy and game plan design, this is going to be the easiest test. Of the season for Mitchell Trubisky, mm-hmm. the, by far the easiest one. There's no complication. There was no exotic pressures. There's nothing that the Bucks do to create problems that you can't see on the tape. 
I mean, it was like the other day when Brady threw his first interception. Brady had this comment. I don't know if people really noticed it, but Brady said, the, I haven't seen Miami run that defense in 10 years. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's how you get Tom Brady. You do something that's different. Mm-hmm. The Bucks never do anything different. Show him something that he thinks he saw on tape and then do something different. That's how he got picked off in the Atlanta Super Bowl. He thought they were playing the one trap. And it, and and it, it goes back to the McVay thing we talked about uh, on Friday, which is, I know your defense, so therefore I am going to attack your defense. Right. And everybody knows the Bucks defense. It's mm-hmm. so easy. Like every offensive coach, it's day one install of defense. So they can go down there. And so Mitchell had to play good. Mm-hmm. And, and again, give them props. Hey, the Bears needed that. Their defense is great. They needed a, a break. And they, they've got some good skill players. I mean, Cohen and Howard, those guys are good. Don't get me wrong. And they made those plays. And I should say this. Nagy did say uh, going uh, after the game, actually, he said, all we're trying to do is to to make Mitch feel comfortable. We're not dumbing down anything. I still had a lot of stuff on our playbook that that we were going to run for Mitchell that we didn't even have to run this week. He said that he's very obsessive and he's like every single week he's getting more and more obsessive about learning these plays, understanding the calls and trying to execute them, which is, I mean, those are all good things if you're a Bears fan to see a guy that he has not necessarily been, you know, amazing at all times, but he is taking it and understands that. And I think Nagy has been frustrated because a lot of people are asking if he's dumbing down the plays for Mitchell because that's become like a a talking point. We obviously talk about narratives here, but it does seem like Nagy is just, he's being honest and upfront and he is also the offense is getting more built around Mitchell which is the whole point right but here's the thing and so here's the reality of it is is the way they practiced those plays on Wednesday Thursday and Friday was exactly how the Bucks ran their defenses in the game and I'll give you a step further you know who was the corner on the other team a guy that Mitchell threw to practice every single day, MJ Stewart. Yeah. So he knows his tendencies. He knows that, MJ, right. you know, he, I mean, he wasn't scared there was of a him. little bit of things that were out yeah. there where there's a lot that played into Mitchell having this great right. game. I knew, I do understand that, but five touchdowns in the first half. No, happy. I give him his props, but, 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 but I think for Mitchell, game practice execution has to become game reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how it's going to have to be. And, Practice execution when you're playing the Bucks is always game reality. They do nothing to really create any problems for you. Mm-hmm. That be the that's the story. I'll end on that note. Congratulations, the Mitchell Trubisky Club fan yeah. club. I'm very excited for Mitchell. We know he's doing well. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about some of the narratives uh, in the league, and then we're also going to give you our awards for the week. All right, before we move on, Lombardi, we're going to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor, G Suite. G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmails, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. These tools improve your work life, both in terms of your experience and the outputs you create. Hence their new campaign, Make It With G Suite. You know when you have 20 identical versions of a document labeled final and no clue which is the latest. This is my life. This is almost too close. Uh, wow. So you make another version and name that one final final, right? Well, with G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides that you make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of a version of a project. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. To find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit gsuite.com. That's gsuite.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. And we are also brought to you by my bookie guys you heard me talking about this for weeks and some of you are still watching football from the sidelines whether you're an expert or a rookie you should be betting at my bookie if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot my bookie gives you the chance to create a big 
parlay. Shout out to the parlay kid up against all odds. I'm sure he's excited about this. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you'll turn 100 into 600. Plus, you can bet on all major sports, not just football. Like this weekend's MMA, Conor McGregor, he's back, stepping into the octagon again. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. My bookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you got to join now because they will be pulling the offer very soon. Log on to my bookie right now and double your money. Use promo code RingerNFL and they'll match your first deposit 100%. That's promo code RingerNFL. You play, you win, you get paid. Back to GM Street. Okay, and we're back. Uh, this is what we do each week, uh, especially after um, a, a week like this, where there's plenty of storylines. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that will be talked about uh, all over the NFL landscape. One of the biggest stories is something that has lingered from the offseason, uh, a guy that we all know and is the face of the Legion of Boom in, in most respects. Uh and that's Earl Thomas. He goes down. Uh, he broke his leg. Um, he is, of course, the 75th highest paid player in the league. Uh, he's already had three interceptions this season. And he was on, a man on a mission to prove a point that he is worth uh, a big time contract. And he was, you know, obviously a little bit jaded and frustrated about the fact that the Seahawks were not giving him that. He goes down with a broken leg. Now he is going to be a free agent coming off an injury, which is always tough to do in contract negotiations. Uh, he flipped the bird um, to the Seahawks sideline. Uh, on his way out and a lot of people reading into that but just just talking about Earl Thomas in this situation and just his players and all this stuff people get upset about contracts and trying to find your value but then you see something like this and and now you kind of get where they're coming from right yeah well I mean look it's football's a dangerous game and everybody who enters their last year of their contract is always concerned that's why you have career ending life insurance that's why guys pay so much money to have you know when you're going to enter that's why you also have guys that have career years in the next year you know the Albert Hainsworths of the world exactly you go in there or Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. you know you go and have a great year and, and I mean it was a freak thing. I mean, the, the injury that happened, it was kind of a weird thing and you don't want anybody to get hurt. But look, Earl Thomas is, I mean, look, if you're an executive in the league and a guy breaks his leg, that's like not worrying you at all in terms of, you know, it's going to heal. Most bones always become stronger after they heal. Mm-hmm. You know, they come together. If they had to put a plate or a screw in there, okay, he's going to get back and run it. It's not going to affect his marketability. And now actually he'll, he won't play any more games. And so he'll sit there and he'll make his value. He'll make it. And I thought Pete Carroll did a, you know, Pete Carroll said, don't judge what he did. You know, Pete Carroll's trying to take the polite way down the road. And obviously this thing has gotten so bitter that you wonder why this couldn't just like, you don't want it to ever get this point where they get the bitter. And Earl's very demonstrative in what he said. And, you know, you just hope Earl, the, the next team Earl goes to, you know, whatever. And obviously it'll be the Cowboys, which mm-hmm. will make him happy because mm-hmm. he's going to become a free agent. You know, Dallas is going to sign him and Dallas is going to pay him. So like he's going to end up getting what he wants and I don't want any player to get hurt. But I just don't think from a injury standpoint that a broken leg is going to deter or devalue his market value. Because people understand what the injury is. It's nothing that's, you know, it's not like, we, not we like Car- Achilles or something like right. that. Well, yeah. Achilles was, you know, a killer or the market or Carson Wentz where he's got the ACL mm-hmm. plus the MCL. Mm-hmm. How bad is that? Is it nine months away? I mean, this guy will probably be out up and running. I don't think there'll be any issue with it and he'll come back and play. And look, I don't want anybody to get hurt in the NFL. I'm not wishing an injury on anyone, but this is one of those where it's, but it's really the cost of doing business in the league that is a violent sport and guys get hurt 
And I don't think it's going to hurt his market value. And we should point out on September 5th, you know, people probably all saw this, but Earl put out a, a post on, I think it was Instagram, where he said, I've never let my teammates, city or fans down as long as I've lived and don't plan on starting this weekend. With that being said, the disrespect has been well noted and will not be forgotten. Um, I just, the, the irony of it all to me is, uh, you know, people that maybe don't remember this, when Pete Carroll first goes to the Seahawks, um, he had a safety on his team at USC by the name of Taylor Mays. Right. Um, and everyone expected him to draft Taylor Mays, you know, kind of this is a guy he's coached, he knows him, he needs a safety, he's going to bring him in. And Pete, <laughs> Taylor Mays was upset, obviously, but Pete knew that Earl Thomas was the best safety, right. went out on a limb for him, drafted the guy, and said, This is the guy that's going to lead our defense. He is the quarterback of our defense, and really, you know, set the tone for what that defense was going to be with Earl. Um, so it is sad to see that, you know, full circle we've gotten to this point yeah. where, not to say that him, Pete, he and Pete aren't on good terms, but just to say we're here is. Uh, is this is where happening. free agency becomes so dangerous. And this is why, you know, when you have certain guys, like when the Patriots sign a player, they may give Edelman a raise or they'll give Chung a raise. Or they, you, you have to be aware of your whole locker room. I mean, it's one thing to go out and sign player Y and give him a huge deal or player X and give him, you got to be aware of your locker room. And I think Seattle, I think this is a powerful lesson for the Seattle is like maybe they could never make Earl happy. Maybe they never could. And I don't know the details of what was going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But to me, if you are involved in free agency, what the Seattle Seahawks are, you can't give guys money without taking care of your own. That's just mm -hmm. reality. Mm -hmm. Because the the locker room, free agency. These guys all talk to each other. They it, all read the news. They all see this sort of stuff. I mean, I think it used to, and we've talked about this before, it used to fly, I mean, even 10, 15 years ago, just because those are all private discussions that were sort of, I mean, I guess you could figure it out if you, if you read between the lines or ask certain people, or maybe it's in the newspaper randomly. But nowadays, every single contract negotiation is getting leaked by Ian Rappaport or, or by Schefter. Right. Or all oh, they all guys. know All it. that stuff's out like, there. Like, let's just take, for example, okay, the Chiefs signed Sammy Watkins, who got hurt again last night, mm -hmm. to a $16 million a year deal, right? So what do you think Tyreek Hill's going to want to get? Probably 20, right? He's gonna, I mean, he's going to base gonna it gonna want more, that. right? Mm -hmm. He's going to want more. So, And the Chiefs have to figure out a way, now that they know Mahomes is really good, of, of signing this nucleus. And that, and that Watkins contract is going to be a pillar for other people that want to get paid. Mm -hmm. How they deal with it? That's up to the Chiefs. But I think that's the reality of it. Whoever you sign from outside your locker room and bring them in, that becomes the standard that the players want and even more. And I think that that's, you have to be concerned about it. As you're building your team, you can't just be naive to think that. Now, the, the Rams are getting away with it because they have a young quarterback and they got a bunch of guys. They paid Donald more than Sue, so they got that in check and they've paid some guys. We'll see how it goes. But the chemistry of the locker room and the culture of the locker room is always a challenge. Absolutely. And, and we get to that point with the Seahawks team now where Earl Thomas goes down uh, obviously a lot of <laughs> it all flips back to Russell Wilson yet again I mean it, it is funny how you know during those times and you know 2012-2014 run uh, the whole the whole talking point was this team can win a Super Bowl let's see if their you know young quarterback can, can get him there and not make mistakes and now you know we sit here five yeah. years later he's and, a sole he's survivor the guy that can, he's a sole survivor guy that can do it and they need to rebuild their team I mean they're mm -hmm. trying I mean look they fought they, they played Arizona played hard they won the game I mean the, Dawson misses two field goals I mean I thought Josh Rosen played as good as a young quarterback can play. I mean, Arizona's not very good scheme-wise on offense. They're not very diversified in what they do. And then defensively, I think Arizona, you know, I mean, Arizona doesn't have a win. Steve Wilkes hasn't had a win so far. I think Arizona's a classic example of a team that way over-evaluated how good they really are. They way over-evaluated how good they really are. And and they've, they've always done that. They play in a dome. They play at home. But they've lost home games now. I think this is going to be a challenge for them to move the ball consistent, consistently. 
But Seattle's going to have to get better at at their drafting and get better and find players for, because at Seattle, they're going to have to have that magical draft where they turn this thing around. Meet Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV and newest addition to the easy-to-use home sound system. I have a Beam in my house. It has changed our entire entertainment system and probably our entire house. It fills the room with sound. It changes the way I watch sports. I liked sports when I got the sound off the TV. That was fine. Now with Sonos Beam, I feel like I'm there. It can make a bad action movie good because you just crank up the beam and you feel like you're in the middle of everything. It is an absolutely awesome experience. My favorite features, AirPlay, Alexa, you can really do anything through the beam. It's become kind of a focal point of the entertainment system in my house. Beam lets you play everything you love from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more. Even use AirPlay to enjoy sound from your iPhone or iPad on beam. All rich sound that fills the room. Enjoy deep bass and detailed stereo separation for music, plus crystal clear dialogue for TVs and movies. All it takes is one cord to connect Beam to your TV, and it syncs with your existing remote. Or get hands-free control with Alexa, which is built in. The Sonos app walks you through the setup step by step. But if you don't want to bother setting up your speaker, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, Up and Running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. For me, the setup process was very smooth. Up and Running came to my house. I, I figured it out pretty quickly. I am not a technologically savvy person in a lot of situations, but this was silky smooth. Just order from Sonos.com and select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify. Let's get to awards for the week. We do this every single week. First up, we have time to go on the lamb and Lombardi. Don't uh, tell me it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, no, he's he's been on the lamb. <laughs> I mean, the Bucks defense, Mike Smith better go on the lamb here in a hurry because, I, you know, look, you know, this is a week where they have the bye. Mm-hmm. So now they've played four games. So what most teams do in the NFL after four games or what you should do in the NFL after four games is run all your stats, just kind of sit there and say, okay, let's just take Monday and really, if you're playing, we have enough of a sample size at this point to see who we are. As let's a team let's right reevaluate. Now. Here's what we got to figure out. It's it's being able to be proactive during the season. Most teams wait until the end of the year to do it, which is too late. Like mm-hmm. you got to do it. Like spend Monday of this week of like observing where you are. Like you're the Jets. Okay, here's what Sam Darnold does really good. Here's what he's not been able to do. We need to modify the game. Who's plan. calling that meeting? Who's in that room? Is that a GM decision? Where you're? Oh, I you're... think it's got to be the head coach. This okay. is the problem. Most mm-hmm. head coaches aren't doing this. They're just yeah. too busy worried looking at their play sheet. But like if you're if you're Mike Smith, you got to sit there. Okay, here's where we are. Here's where we got to get better. I thought the Saints did that last week. The Saints played the Giants. And the Saints defensively have always been battleship football. Mm-hmm. Like they'll call, you know. And last week, the Saints decided, you know what? Eli ain't throwing this thing down the field. He ain't going to beat us, Dinkin and Duncan. We're going to play Tampa too. We're going to keep the ball in front of us and we'll eventually score. And they played sound football, fundamentally sound football and won. They did that in season. And this is what has to happen. And so if you're Mike Smith, you're at a crossroads, you're going to lose your job. And you don't want anybody to lose their job, but you got to sit there and figure out like, how can I get the Bucks defense better? What 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 pieces? Here's who I am, and if I keep doing what I'm doing, they're going to keep putting forty on me. So I got to change, mm-hmm. and I think that's why they need to go on the lamb, take their toothbrushes. Yep, they're going to take their toothbrushes, take their bags, take their luggage, do everything. Brian Fitzpatrick, he's already at his gate right now. He's waiting uh, for a coffee <laughs> at this point. I mean, you know how it is. Uh, so next up, we have the Fred Palermo Award, uh, which goes to the team that was most prepared this week. Uh, who do you got, Lombardi? Well, I thought that the, the best. I thought the best game plan obviously was the Titans. Mm. I thought, but I, but but you know because they won the game. But I'm going to give it to the Cowboys because nice. I've been on their ass. I've been on the Clappers' ass all 
all year. Like at some point, can we get the bet? One of the best players in football is a man by the name of Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. and he's on your team. Okay. Mm-hmm. And somehow if, people think he may still be suspended at this point. Yeah. We like I'm not sure the long. clapper thinks he's suspended or not, mm-hmm. but it's it, like, Get him the ball in the passing game. Like, do something with him. Extend him out. Put him in situations and be proactive. And so they did. And it won the game. That was a close game. I mean, it was. I thought Detroit moved the ball better against Dallas defense than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. I thought Dallas would win the game. They won on the last second field goal, which was great. I think that you saw in this game that it isn't Dak Prescott. It's really given him some chances to make some easier throws. They ran some screens. They threw the fade when he lined up away. So give him credit. I mean, at least they weren't playing like some people play for what's that Fortnite? Fortnite, yeah. Fortnite. At least they weren't playing people that. People were very upset. I didn't tell you that last week. You know that that you were mentioning a game that all the kids are playing. And yeah, they're like you're supposed to be the young guy that knows this. I do not play Fortnite, nor do I care. But Fortnite, yes. Fortnite. At game. least at least I know they weren't playing Fortnite. Yes. I got to play Fortnite. Yeah. Well, you is can, it hard? I have no idea. Right. That's the thing. I have no idea. But I let's point it out. Zico Elliott, right, touches the ball 29 times, 240 yards in total. First player in the NFL this season over 200 yards of scrimmage. Right there like, it goes. Dak like, Prescott throws a 255 yards, two touchdowns also has the game-winning drive to get a field goal to win the game. Like, so they, we talked about it. They, they said they weren't going to change the offense. Nothing was going to change. They were going to run the... Obviously, they lied. They lied. They lied. <laughs> the clapper not only claps, but he also lies. <laughs> yes. They made the changes. They decided we had to get Zeke the ball 25 times. Could you times imagine what you could do with Zeke? I mean, some of these guys that play Madden at home, could you imagine if you take Zeke and put him in the slot or make him the number three receiver? Like McCaffrey. Away? Like, we're going to put him in the slot. And, and put another back in the backfield. Or take the running back and put, take the receiver and put him in the backfield. You want to cause problems, just like like sh- simple stuff. Anyway, but that that's who I give that award to. So the Clapper, congratulations. Congratulations to the Clapper and all the Cowboys fans out there, and especially to Jerry Jones, who was uh, very upset this past week. People kept asking about the offense, and he was shutting down the How about that comment he made? He said, we're just like the Rams. I mean, is he like like at some point, Jerry, you're going to have to get your glasses well, it's, clean. It's all PR, you know. You got to get your glasses clean. <laughs> it's all clean. smoke and mirrors at this point. <laughs> you got to get your glasses clean. Like, there's no way you can come up with that lie. Like, there's nothing similar between the Cowboys. Someone Cow- wrote that for him. That's a good yeah. line. He needs to save that one. Uh, next up we have the KGB award uh, the, the the team that you know basically was was shook and shocked uh, by what they saw um, who, who do we have on this list for the KGB award uh, you know, I, I think obviously to the, the Eagles got duped and shocked because I never anticipated that the Titans were going to be able to move the ball as well as they did in that game. And, and they may he, have gotten the KGB award, you know, during that game. You know, they were already had it all set and ready to go. I mean, they had no really business. Uh, like it, for me, when I'm watching that game, I'm like, there's no way they could. How are they going to score points? Mariota mm-hmm. can't really throw the ball. But he, there was guys wide ass open in that game. And we talked about it earlier. So I'm going to give them the award. Well, congratulations to the Titans. Big week for Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Everyone's very excited there. And we're happy for Mariota because, like we said, we brought this up earlier. But, but and he's did. a great kid. He's a great guy. Uh, we, we always have enjoyed watching him play, especially since college. It's been frustrating for him to see all the injuries, but it was good to see him bounce back. Next up, we got uh, Can't Tell My Courage for My Desperation. The Steelers are just, I mean, I have no idea what they're doing on defense. Like, I have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. Like, they can't stop anybody, you know. And they and Flacco, let me give Flacco some credit here now. Flacco wins on the road, which is something he's not been able to do very much. He throws for, you know, they have 400 yards moving, in, you know, they incorporate a little bit of Lamar in the game. Mm-hmm. So they did some of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, that, that, Pittsburgh, they have no team speed. I mean, look, they're talking about Bostic being Ryan Shazier. We had Bostic in New England. He ain't Ryan Shazier, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, let's be real. The reason he's on about four teams is because he's got liabilities himself. No disrespect to John, but he's not Ryan Shazier. They have well, no speed. Well, you're just saying that's disrespect to Shazier, who we know is exactly. an absolute star. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even close. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then their front, their defensive front can't rush the passer. I mean, when you block them, their corner situation, like, you know, you're, if you're Mike Tomlin, you got to get back to some kind of basics. I mean, I know they're trying to do a little 
little bit of everything, but they can't rush. They can't. And then offensively, and this is what's amazing, because they get behind so quickly early, they can't ever get control of the game. Mm -hmm. So they never can incorporate their run game involved. So they never can slow the game down to where their defense can play less time. Mm -hmm. And and some of this is because they don't have Le'Veon Bells in there, but more of it is because they get behind so quickly in the game. You know, and so when you get behind and look, Baltimore, you know, made the adjustments in the second half. They figured out what Pittsburgh's doing. I mean, going into the game, Antonio Brown was averaging less than nine yards a catch into going into that game. I mean, people are taking him out of the game. They're forcing the ball to somebody else, making Ben hold on to it. And this is what they get. So, I mean, I think Pittsburgh either solid. When Pittsburgh Steelers in the Steel City, when they lose two home games, shit's bad. Yeah, we have some questions at this point. And we're far removed from the Dick LeBeau defense. It is funny to me. Every time they're, they're, in a, they're on Sunday Night Football, um, we still talk about the, the the Steelers defense like it's the Steel Curtain. Yeah, you know, it's even, unbelievable. Even, like, every single time, just because they have that identity, it, it'd be like if, you know, we have the Bears game and we start talking about 85 Bears every time they play it. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. Like, and Dick LeBeau is not there. Uh, this defense is, has no real identity. They have Nobody point. on any level of their defense mm-hmm. that can dominate the game. And I mean, Cam Hayward's a good player. Don't get me wrong. And, and you know, they have Steve Stephon Truitt's a good player. They have good players. They mm-hmm. just don't have a dominant. T.J. Watt's a good player, but they don't. But they're not doing enough. They have no fundamentals or technique, and they make too many mistakes. And the, I mean, know, on the switch mm-hmm. read, I mean, they 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 don't cover the guy on the vertical on the switch. I mean, that that's a day one install pass play. Mm-hmm. Like that's a day one install pass play, and they don't get it right. Like that's way bad. And I want to point out one thing too, just about this Ravens team. Uh, Ozzie in the offseason signing these receivers Willis needing these guys I mean we talked about making your team better you know having a base and just trying to add actual assets I mean uh, some of those signings I mean all those receivers he's really brought in for Flacco have really been a plus hey the best thing that Ozzie did this offseason fuck the receivers the mm-hmm. best thing that Ozzie did this offseason was when he turned that card in that said Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. that was the best thing he did because mm-hmm. that fire that lit under Joe Flacco's ass that was the first time fear does the work of reason mm-hmm. okay if he doesn't draft Lamar Jackson and all those receivers he signs are going to be just like the the graveyard of all the ones that Jeremy Macklin's, mm-hmm. the Mike Wallace's, mm-hmm. all the ones that he signed in the past. This time, Flacco was aware. Flacco now has to be the guy. And, you know, now they actually have a full team. I mean, look, they're ne- one thing about the Ravens, I mean, I was watching the game and I'm like telling Millie, like they, they won't miss the uh, Tucker won't like, he won't miss the kick, but outside the upright, you know, the middle upright, like he won't be six or seven inches left or right of that. You know, I mean, if he goes even close to the uprights, it's like, Oh my God, he really must've missed hit that. You know? So, you know, that anytime they move the ball a little bit, they're going to get three points. Right. And so they're going to get three. So they got ways to do it. Their defense is playing really good. They're rushing the passer and they're doing this without Jimmy Smith, their best corner. So look, I, I think that Flacco had to wake up and I think turning that card in woke him up. The other point I wanted to make, I think this never gets talked about on television, Tate Frazier, and it drives me fucking crazy, is it just drives me fucking nuts, is there's certain points of the field that a quarterback can't take a sack, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And we never talk about it on television. Like, we never talk about it on TV. Like, when you have the ball... At your own 35, you're going into score and you have the ball on your opponent's 35-yard line. You're in field goal range. You can't take a sack, okay? So there's an area between the 40s and the 40s. You can't take a sack, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because that's field position. If you're backed up and you're on your own 20 or something like that, you take a sack, okay, you can live with it. You're going to lose five, six yards maybe. But you can't. There's certain places on the field quarterbacks can't take a sack. Like, it's not the line that should get blamed for the sack. It's the fucking quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. when you go in the play... 
you can't take the sack. Like, there's no way we can take a sack here. So you got to get rid of the ball. I don't give a shit if you throw it too early. We're not taking a sack. We're not losing yards because we're going to kick the field goal. And we never talk about it. Like the field is broken up in areas for the quarterback. It should be in every quarterback's room, a giant picture of the field and then shaded areas. Like, you can't take a sack here. Like you just can't. Like, mm-hmm. It's impossible. Parcells used to be fucking bitching about it all the time. Like you can't take a sack there. Mm-hmm. Like we're stu- that's called stupid football. Mm-hmm. And, and we see it happen every week. And guys take sacks down there in the red zone. Like, are you kidding me? And if you ever want to watch a player and understand, you know that what you're talking about right now. If you watch Russell Wilson, I mean that guy will be in. He he knows exactly where he is at all times. And if he's in a position where he's going to get sacked. Magically, he will somehow get back to the line of scrimmage. Right. You know I mean, Some, whether, whether he runs around thirty guys and dives to the line of scrimmage, I mean, he knows it's never awareness. To take that it's awareness. Yes. Like you can't like, and you you shouldn't it's have to football t- now. You, you shouldn't mm-hmm. have to tell the quarterback like you know like, and I'll scream at the TV. You can't take the sack there. Like get rid mm-hmm. of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, but they do it yeah. anyway. And that's a very uh, Joe Flacco thing. But you know, we were saying nice stuff before, so we'll leave that at Flacco. Uh, <laughs> final one, final award of the week. This is one of our favorites. If you don't know, now you know. Lombardi, what do we know? I think the Saints are really good, and I'm in. Love. I am absolutely in love with Taysom Hill. Like mm, I'm in love. Yes. Like okay, BYU and I'm a, great. I mean, I'm in love with what Sean Payton does on. Like I could watch Sean Payton's offense for hours. Just watch <laughs> it. Like the execution is precise. This offensive line for New Orleans. I mean, they run power. They run. They do everything you got to do to cause problems. If you try to take away the outside stretch, they run power. They run gap schemes. They run zone, and they run them all effectively. But this Taysom Hill now. In, in one of the chapters of Gridiron Genius, I talked about the future of football. And, and the future of football, actually, on Saturday when I was watching the Penn State-Ohio State game, Penn State was in full single-wing mode. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were in full single-wing mode. They were, you know, that the quarterback for Penn State is just r- running the ball. Why he didn't carry the ball on fourth and f- fourth, mm-hmm. and I have no freaking idea why. Like, you I just know. saw the highlights, but yeah, I mean, that's yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Like, there's no, like, there's no excuse in the world. But so anyway, they're running single-wing. And so what the Saints are doing with Taysom Hill, they lined him up as a, he's the personal protector on the field on the punt team, mm-hmm. which to, is also oh, fans know the personal protector on the punt team is usually your best athlete who can tackle, who's tough, who's smart. They line him up. He, they they hang him the ball. He throws a hitch for a first down. So mm-hmm. now every punt from now on that the Saints face, every time they punt the ball, every team's going to be in punt safe the whole time, mm-hmm. which is like great. Okay. Like you're just backing off. We're in punt safe. We're not, not coming after you. So you got that. Then he he's a red zone player down there. They put him in the red zone. He's fast as shit. Yeah, I mean, he can keep the. I mean, we saw the QB scrambles. Like I mean, like he's fast scrambles. as hell. Yeah. I mean, like this is the future of football. Like if you're the Jets and you have Terrell Pryor and you're watching Saint tape, if you're Mike McKagan, okay, you're watching Saint tape. You're like, why aren't we doing some of this stuff here mm-hmm. with Terrell Pryor? Like, mm-hmm. take some of the burden off. Bring him in here. Bring him in this. here. Yeah. Like, like it. We'll extend Sam out there. We'll start. You know, like, like mm-hmm. can't, shouldn't we have like a little package of this? Like doing some things. Same like, with Lamar, right? I mean, same with Lamar. Like mm-hmm. make Lamar like the like have a single wing concept. You know, I mean, what, if, cracks if, me what if you had a Joe Webb on your team? I mean, Joe Webb can do same that. thing with Joe Webb. Yeah. I mean, you got Joe Webb's down in Houston. You mm-hmm. can do the same thing. Like. Like what cracks me up about this is we all say we all think it's amazingly uh, creative when Andy Reid takes the receiver and brings him in the backfield and makes him a, a put back there. Mm-hmm. Really creative. And we never worry about the receiver getting hit or tackled and getting hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Tackled. We never worry about it. Mm-hmm. But if we put Lamar Jackson back there, well, you got to watch out. He doesn't get hurt. 
But Lamar Jackson's not going to get hurt on those runs. He knows how to yeah. run the ball. He might hurt their feelings. I mean, Taysom Hill the other day, he's got scars on his arms. I mm. mean, you know, he's not getting hurt. I mean, he's going to run the ball. He's going to protect himself, right? They know how to run with the ball. They're like receivers that know how to run that just happen to throw the ball from here to the beach, mm-hmm. right? Like to me, I love the kid. I love what they're doing with them. I think the package is going to get expanded even more. And I love that Breeze is just like takes it and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up throwing Breeze a hitch out there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you this. This is my Madden move that I used to do back in the day. This is when I was a little kid, um, you know, seventh, eighth grade. I'd always start a game. I'd go straight to the depth chart. I'd change my punter to the third string quarterback. So every single time I was punting in the game, there was a chance that I would just, you know, run a fake and throw it with my third string quarterback. See, that 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 right there, you just define, I know you're a Val Victorian of your school, but you define the difference between creative and divergent thinking. Mm. Creative thinking is trying to change things. Divergent is taking an existing problem, making better. What do they talk about entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs mm. don't come up with new ideas. They take existing ideas and make them better. That's what the divergent thinking is. That's what you just did. See, and that's what I'm after. That's what I, I think the NFL lacks divergent thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, but we've seen it. Luckily for us, we are seeing the Andy Reid ripple effect that has come down a lot of these offenses. And we are lucky enough to have a guy like Sean Payton, who is a absolute mastermind of football, a guy that, you know, we talked about Teddy Bridgewater and we were talking about smart teams that will go after that guy. Sean does it. You know, I mean, we talked about Sean McVay. I mean, another guy that he's going to take these chances. Those are the types of things that are happening in football that are good to see, because like you're saying, they, those guys are they understand what it is. They understand the formula that, that is, is set in front of us. But I want to tweak it. I want to make it my own. I want to do something different right. here. And here's and it's we know it's hard to score in the red zone. We mm-hmm. know that some teams rush three, and so there's so and we know fades aren't going to work unless you have uh, mega the trying. worst call in football. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like take it off the hook. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna throw a fade. I mean the Raiders ran the fade for the two point play. Like and Jordan Nelson just made Jordy Nelson made a great play. But to me it's lazy thinking. Like if that's what you got to come up with for your two point play, you're really not thinking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, or you're to, all thinking alike. Or you're all thinking alike. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dave Frazier. But anyway, so I think that the way this saints are doing it i think it's amazing i think it's truly the the to me it's not wildcat it's mm-hmm. a bill it's an offense that's creative and moving with because the kid can do so many things how valuable is this player mm-hmm. like how valuable is Taysom hill yep. like he's so freaking valuable he does so many and he affects the game affected a punt affected the offense get him in the red zone now you got to play option you got to play read then all of a sudden Camaro runs the ball from the eight yard line in because they run the read option and he's got you know because people the defense is now worried about it and talk about I mean going into a week against the Saints team if you're a defensive coordinator and you have to watch tape now I have to watch a whole separate other tape about another weapon. When that Taysom they had. Hill comes in a game, so I got to worry about Michael Thomas, arguably one of the best receivers in the arguably. game. I have to worry about Camara, who's one the of the best. best running backs in the game. I have to worry about Drew Brees, who's the, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And then, oh yeah, they have this other special package where now I have to worry about offense when they're on special teams. Yeah, and if I mean, you, that's a headache. No, they're they're good. I mean, they're they're good. The Rams are good. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. But that's that that's my that's my award. That's now you know my Nate Frazier. We do know that uh, the Saints are a team to watch out for. We've learned a lot in the first you know quarter of the season at this point. Uh, again, as we've said. You know, September is over. September football is done. We're moving into October. We're going to see these teams actually, uh, you know, find their identities and become who and uh, what we thought they were or what we didn't think they were. We will see how it all plays out. Um, This has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be back on Friday for Lombardi to give his picks for week five. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
Meet Sonos Beam, the smart compact soundbar for your TV. Beam lets you play anything you love from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more, all with rich sound that fills the room. It's super simple to set up, but even if you don't want to bother, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, up and running, we'll have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. I have a Sonos Beam. It's awesome to watch football with Saturdays, Sundays, Thursdays. There's football every day of the week now, and it all seems better when you crank up the Sonos Beam. It is an absolutely different experience. You can hear absolutely every single thing on the field. And when you're watching, you can use all of the cool features like Alexa and AirPlay. And really, you just never have to get off your couch again. Just order from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify. 